Welcome everyone to this episode of Greetings from Holland. We are meeting with my friend Shauna today. She is going to share her story of her son Caleb and their family's journey through all of his ins and outs of care and learning and growing up. And she's got some amazing things to say. So I'm going to just sit back and help ask some questions here and there, but I really just, like I usually do, I just kind of want her to tell her family story in her own words. So thanks for joining me today and let's get started. everyone. Uh, first, I want to say, Kelly, thank you so much for having me on and making me a part of this amazing process. You know, this is so big for so many families who just need to know that they are not alone throughout whatever process they may be going through. Um, so obviously, I know Kelly from my main mom's group that I joined when I first got pregnant with Caleb. Um, which by the way, shout out to them because they are awesome. And so is Kelly. <laughs> yeah, we, I didn't mention this. We are oh. in the same due date group. When is yes. Caleb's birthday? He was born May 1st. Okay. What was his, was he on top? What was his due date? He was actually um, like a week early, 10 days early. Okay. He was May 10th. He was supposed okay. to be born. I think, I don't, I think my due date was May 6th and Journey was born April 27th. So the great thing about our due date group is they were like, well, if your due date's in May or even a couple days before or after, it's cool. Like all of our kids are around the same age. And of course, some came early, some came, came late, but we have been able to watch our pregnancies blossom and births happen and our children are growing up and we are like one giant family. We are all over the world and it's we come from all walks of life. It's I have so met awesome. some amazing friends that I feel so connected to, even though we've never met in real life. It's amazing. So yeah, so she says so if she says May moms, that's what it is. <laughs> I should have clarified that just a little no, bit. No, it's better. fine. I didn't I didn't clarify that either. If people are gonna be like, what are they talking about? Right. So So um so now with that, everybody knows, but Caleb was born um May first, two thousand eighteen and Throughout our entire pregnancy with Caleb, we thought everything was fine. You know, Caleb was healthy, everything. I think really the only thing I ever had was like the first eight weeks of my pregnancy, I had um, a sinus infection and they put me on antibiotics for. So other than that, our pregnancy was pretty, I guess, for lack of better terms, textbook. Um, towards the end, I did have to do um, some of like the non-stress tests twice a week because um, we did see his heart rate dropping and fluctuating a lot. Um, but other than that, it was good. And then our story really began um, within 24 hours of Caleb being born. Um, I had a great delivery. And then 24 hours after that, the pediatrician came into our room and they were just, you know, going over Caleb, making sure everything was okay. And she kept going back to his head. And I used to work in healthcare. I was a nursing assistant for 10 years. So I knew when she kept going back to that area um, something might be wrong. So I just asked her, I said, is everything okay? And she said, you know, his head is kind of small. She was like, sometimes baby do, babies do have smaller heads. She said, but as a just in case, you know, let's, let's get it checked out. I want you to come, 
um, to my office three days after you're released um, from the hospital so we can get that ball rolling, which is exactly what we did. Um, we went there. She gave us a script to go get a ultrasound of his head done. When we went there, um, we actually went to U of M, which is a hospital in Ann Arbor in Michigan. Um, we went to Mott's as their pediatrics. Um, and they did the ultrasound of his head. And at that time we were told that Caleb probably had craniostenosis, which is where um, his sutures in his head were like fusing. Um, so we had to, at that point, contact a neurosurgeon and like plastics. So we decided at that point to go through Children's Hospital of Michigan. We went to see both of those doctors, um, the plastics ordered a CT, and then the neurosurgeon ordered an MRI. We had to wait. Well, plastics came back rather quickly, and they she told us that, yes, there was like some fusion together, um, but she wanted to wait to see what the MRI said. And within, I would say, about three and a half weeks, we finally got the results of the MRI, and we were told that Caleb had microcephaly. Um, with secondary craniostenosis. We didn't, at that time, we really didn't get much of an explanation because I had never really heard of microcephaly. So when they said that to me, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Um, the doctor at that time just told us, you know, if he starts having seizures, we'll put him on medication. Other than that, we just, we're, we'll follow him. And I'm like, okay. So we got off the phone because it was, he actually called us um, while we were at home. It wasn't where we went in and seen him or anything. It was just a brief phone call. It probably lasted about 10 minutes, no time to really ask questions. Um, so the next day I immediately called our pediatrician to get in um, and she's seen us right away. And I just asked her like, okay, I know I need to see a neurologist. Where do I need to go? Um, Cause Caleb is our first child. And I was completely new to the peds world. I had, other than her, his pediatrician, I had no idea um, where I needed to seek assistance from besides the physicians that we were seeing at Children's. Um, and then I guess backtrack a little bit. We've also, I'm also very blessed because my mother works for the Epilepsy Foundation of Michigan. So I asked her, because I knew you needed to see a neurologist, if um, she could help and assist in, in finding somebody that was good to be able to take Caleb to. Um, so she did that and we had a, I had a, a list, a couple doctors that we were going through and I was researching cause I am a very big researcher and obviously every parent wants their child to have the best care. So, um, I finally found a doctor that I was comfortable with and we went and seen Caleb's first neurologist and it was through children's hospital in Michigan. And at that appointment, she broke everything down cause she had a, copy of the MRI and she broke everything down for us. Uh, Caleb has severe microcephaly and she went over everything. Like he may not be able to do this and may not be able to do that. But she also told us at that same appointment that, you know, we're going to focus on what he can do and help him be able to achieve whatever he can achieve. We saw her name was Dr. Sivaswamy. Um, we actually followed Dr. Sivaswamy for, it was a very brief amount of time um, because within three weeks of seeing Dr. Sivaswamy, Caleb had his 
first grand mal seizure at three months old. Um, I remember that day, it was August 18th of 2018. It was a day I'll never forget. Um, and we immediately, I was at a, we were at a family function. We were at a family reunion and he was in my arms. I was holding him and he had a grand mal seizure. We took him to the hospital. Um, they released us and we went home because everything, he was fine. We were there a long time, but they did release us. And when then we immediately had a follow-up with Caleb's uh, neurologist at that point. He was put on medications and immediately she wanted an EEG, um, but she wanted a 24-hour EEG. So we got the 24-hour EEG done and it came back that Caleb had focal, has focal motor onset epilepsy infantile spasms and silent seizures. They placed him on a number of different medications and it's the medications have always been a roller coaster. Even now with Caleb almost being three years old, there's still a, still a roller coaster trying to figure out that, that sweet spot, I guess you could say with the meds. Um, anyways, so once we knew the extent of I guess for lack of better words, you could say the severity of Caleb's epilepsy, we knew that we needed somebody that specialized. Um, so I went to my mom and I said, all right, mom, this is, this is really your field and I need help finding a good epileptologist, which is a neurologist that specializes in epilepsy. So we went through a whole bunch of, you know, epileptologists, figure out who's good. And then it just so happens that um, my mother's work was doing, they call it a learn and share conference. And it was like a phone conference. Um, and Dr. Shaw happened to be the pediatric epileptologist on that for that one. And I absolutely just fell in love with her. She was amazing just by being able to listen to her. I asked her questions and I went back to my mom and I said, that's, that's our doctor. So we reached out, scheduled an appointment. And in January of 2019, Caleb seeing Dr. Shaw for the first time. Um, of course, we took all of our paperwork and she wanted um, to do a 24 hour EEG of her own. So we set that all up. When we did that EEG, that's when it came back that Caleb had um, intractable epilepsy. Which what, what does that mean? That means that it's an epilepsy that is not being, I guess, handled with medication. Like the medications okay. that he was on were, I guess, for lack of better words, not working. Okay. Um, and they were, but we were still seeing a lot of seizure activity. Um, and that is not, I mean, honestly, I, and I hate to say it this way, but it's not uncommon sometimes. There are, there are tons of people that have epilepsy that are not controlled by medication and may never be controlled by medication. So once we found that out, we knew, okay, this is, this is more severe than what we thought. Now we have intractable epilepsy and infantile spasms, um, which infantile spasms are an epilepsy encephalopathy, which is a severe, or as sometimes people say, catastrophic form of epilepsy. Um, luckily, one of the medications that Caleb is on for that, it is controlling his um, IS and um, with, along with the ketogenic diet, which has been a godsend for Caleb. So 
it has, like I said, it's been an up and down roller coaster and, you know, it's just been like one thing after another, but that's okay. Um, so this is going to be, I'm, I am completely un, unfamiliar with the world of epilepsy, yeah. but I see, I have seen so many parents who have, you know, post in social media groups about their child who has infantile spasms. Is that something that will one day resolve or will it, will it, is it just sort of something that they will always have? Or is it something that is, has a developmental sort of end, end point even, because I have no idea. You can outgrow infantile spasms. Um, But you can also normally, I shouldn't say normally, infantile spasms can also go into um, like another catastrophic form of epilepsy. Yeah, that was my next question. I was like, will it sort of transition into a different form of epilepsy? Yes, it can. It can can, um, go into, I want to say it's either Linux Gusteau or Dravet, which is catastrophic forms of epilepsy. Um, and Or they can also outgrow it. I know there are some that have outgrown it. Um, there is also a condition with infantile spasms that is it's called West syndrome that has been um, coordinated with infantile spasms. And normally if you have West syndrome, that you're probably never going to go out, grow out of it, and it's going to transition into another form of epilepsy. Caleb does not have West syndrome, but we also know that he has other forms of epilepsy. So he may have at some point outgrow his infantile spasms, but he will always have epilepsy. It's it's never going to go away. Yeah, that's that's. I I know there are so many I. Even when I was growing up, I in elementary school, I knew a girl who had epilepsy. I'm not, I mean, I don't remember what kind. This was 30 years ago, but I think she was nine or 10 years old and she still dealt with it. Um, so I, I know it's something that, you know, can follow somebody forever. It's, it's part of their, it's part of how their body works. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the ketogenic diet. Yes. And how that's been really helpful for Caleb. So yes. what brought you to, that actually it was with speaking with dr shaw um she had asked us you know if we would be interested in doing the ketogenic diet because there has been links to the ketogenic diet being very successful for certain epilepsy conditions is is one of them um and if it doesn't control them they have seen dramatic decreases in seizure activity uh, which is what we have seen with his IS. You know, right now he is on the medication he's on for his IS is called Sabril, and then the ketogenic diet. But in between the two of those, I have not seen him have an infantile spasm since the end of 2018. That's amazing. Great. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. The the infantile spasms are to me they are worse than actually seeing him have a seizure because spasms come in clusters. And they can last anywhere from three to five minutes. And just to see them is just like, it's heartbreaking. I I remember when Caleb was still having them, he would have anywhere from two to three clusters in a day. And just knowing like there was nothing that I could do to help him. You're just, you know, you're watching your child and it's, it's so heartbreaking. And I would just cry and tell him I'm here. 
Um, so when we got that medication on board, it helped. But then when seeing Dr. Shaw and she said, let's try this and let's see if this works, you know, bringing that ketogenic diet in, it just, it made all the difference. And we are actually, she has talked about trying to decrease the sabral, the amount that he is on right now to see if um, the ketogenic diet would just work for his infantile spasms, which some, in some people, it does work just being on the ketogenic diet. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a, I, I can't call it a wonder drug because it's not, but that's what it is. <laughs> it, you know, um, it's a wonder drug. It's a wonder treatment for myself yes. and many other people with epilepsy or yeah. other medical conditions. And, and for those that are unfamiliar with the ketogenic diet, yes, it was basically developed to treat epilepsy in children a hundred years ago, but it also has different applications that can treat multiple health issues. Myself, I was pre-diabetic. I eat a ketogenic diet because it has really helped my insulin in my body and I, I do not have epilepsy, but I also do not eat the same, you know, formula of a ketogenic diet that that would be applicable for helping epilepsy. It, it's not like a one and done thing. There are different kinds of it. And I just, I'm, I always want to go out. I'm always preaching the gospel of it because it's helped my own health so much. And we personally, we feed Journey, not a keto diet. She probably eats more fruit than, than she'll, she's probably not in ketosis because we do give her fruit. But, um, and I think that that's, but she does eat a high fat really good quality fat diet and does not eat really like she doesn't eat a lot of the stuff that I think a lot of uh, things that are really common in the standard American diet, especially I hate to say it in the toddler standard American diet. Like my kid nuggets. (laughs) Well, she, yeah, but like I, she loves a chicken nugget, but it's, we try to pick the healthier ones. Um, and you can, but, like you can still and you can, chicken nuggets. Right. Like, and I've you know. made my own chicken nuggets for her too. Um, but we don't feed her things like mac and cheese. Like one time I tried to give it to her and she was like, what is this? Because <laughs> she eats cheesy cauliflower instead. She's I like, mean, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. So there's, and it's like, everyone's going to feed their kids different things. But I just know that like I try to, I know I, every calorie counts. And especially when you have a medically complex child. Yeah. Every calorie counts. And oh, it's absolutely. so amazing that you, that there exists a, a dietary formula. And by formula, I mean, like, I know there are keto formulas and I know that Caleb, Caleb does take that. Um, yes. But by, by formula, I mean, like, the calculations of the ratios of the macros that And they're work. very rigorous. Like, yes, just that might like, be something good. It's very yeah. Can you explain strict. that? Because did you go through, like, did you go through the Charlie Foundation to yes, get your plan? Okay. They are the gold standard. If anyone is interested in exploring this, please reach out to the Charlie Foundation because they are, they are the ones, they know exactly how to get you started and they they will steer you down the right path. So how did you get on the right plan for Caleb? Because last time I looked, I think there were about four different diets that they adv- that they kind of have. They have like keto they have like a modified one they anyways they have different ones we got started um like i said when we first started with dr shaw uh and they also through because caleb goes to a comprehensive epilepsy center our comprehensive comprehensive center for epilepsy uh we go to the neuroscience center at beaumont royal oak 
And through them, they actually have uh, like a ketogenic clinic. So we see a team. We see there's a nurse, there's a nurse practitioner, there's a dietitian, and they literally set all of this up for you and give you the tools that you need to be able to successfully have your child on the ketogenic diet and have it be safe. Like Caleb is followed by his dietitian and his keto team regularly. We get labs done every three months. Um, I'm in constant contact with the nurse. She's always calling me, making sure everything's okay. Um, Caleb's on a four to one ketogenic diet. So he is on like pretty much the highest that you can go, but it's working for him. So I check his blood sugar. He gets his blood sugar checked every, uh, I should say three times a week. I can't say the dates because sometimes they do vary. And we also check his ketones in his urine. So it's very rigorous. Um, if you're doing it for medical purposes, you really do need to be followed by a dietitian or a doctor because if absolutely it can be so unsafe to do it if it's for medical purposes. Because I know this right. fat is with like the weight loss, and I did ketogenic. I did a ketogenic diet myself for four years before I got pregnant with Caleb, and I did it for weight loss purposes, and I lost over a hundred pounds. But for medical purposes, there's so much that goes into mm-hmm. it that you can and that's rest. and that is a huge thing that I think most of the population does not understand, yes. and that they think that it's all one and the same. They're like, "Oh, you shouldn't do that because it's it's for, it's a medical thing." And it's like, there's the, the ketogenic diet is like there's a spectrum within that. Like, yes, yes there's what 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 children and adults like Caleb are on is a medical diet. Yes. And yes, keto can be done for health reasons that are, and I, I'm on a keto diet and I'm followed by a doctor. Like I see a doctor yeah. who specializes in this, but I'm not doing it for epilepsy. I'm doing it for insulin management because I have a family history of type two diabetes and eventually, you know, I don't want my pancreas to crap out. Right. So like, that's you know, why like, I'm doing it. And that's the but, one thing like people, you have yeah. to understand that when it's for medical purposes, it's so much stricter and just for so like much more thought. testing. Oh yeah, there's so much more testing and so many you have to stay within like there's not as much wiggle room. No, not at all. Like exactly. I yeah. weigh Caleb's everything that goes into Caleb um because he is tube feed fed, which I will I will get into for you. But um everything that I put through his tube feed is weighed and calculated. You know, I have to make sure that he is getting enough good fats. I have to make sure that he is getting the protein that he needs. So it's not just a, oh, here, this should be on the ketogenic diet. You can just have this. No, everything is very meticulous. But, and I know that, like, I remember hearing your stories or seeing you, you post about how you guys were starting the ketogenic diet and it was... It seemed very overwhelming, but yes. over time, has it gotten a little bit more? Oh yeah, now it's easy? just like now yeah. it's like like second habit. You know what I mean? Now it's you you do it so much and you live it that now I'm just like okay, whatever. It's you yeah, because just it's, <laughs> so because you're you are treating your child's epilepsy with food yes. essentially. Yes, so it's, so. It's, so you have to you do need to approach it like any other type of medication. It is oh, yes. very structured. It is very regimented. But don't be I don't want parent I mean it's like everything else. You really get used to this. It becomes your normal and you and you can hopefully and if it works for your child then you're going to be able to just take that breath and say and that's exactly what I did. Yes. And good. that's what I did. I just had to 
breathe for a minute. Like, okay. Cause it, at first it, it is very overwhelming. Cause when we first started, I was checking Caleb's blood sugar literally three times a day. His ketones, oh his ketones had to be checked twice a day. Then, you know, I had to weigh all the food and, you know, at, you can make like big, bad, like 24 hour meals, but when you're new to it, it's all just so overwhelming mm -hmm. and it's so much information, you know? And then of course there's the, if I get this wrong, it could harm my child because it is a form of medication for him. It's not just, you know, this new fad diet that he's going to try. This is a form of medication for him. So it's, the whole process of it and me knowing that it was so meticulous and so important was overwhelming. But I would say within two weeks, maybe three weeks, that it was fine. I was good. I had it down and it was just, it was everyday life then, you know, and like it is now, it's just, you don't even think about it. It's just, okay, I got to get Caleb's scale out. Now we're measuring all this and then we're going to give it to him and you know, I have to blend everything now because it, it does go through his two feeding, but, and that's fine too. So that took me a minute to get used to as well. But, you know, like everything else, you just kind of roll with the punches and, and you just do it because this is what your child needs. Definitely. So what kind of stuff, what kind of foods do you blend? And I know that he, he's also on a, a formula that's developed yes. for ketogenic diets as well, Correct. right? Yes. Okay. He, um, right now he's on keto V. We do, we should, I should say we do like a 50, 50. He does, he gets four feeds a day. So he'll get two things of like formula. And then we do a blended, a ketogenic blended diet for him. So he'll get two feeds of regular food. Um, because with Caleb's, with Caleb's stomach and his gut, he couldn't handle all of the like rich foods, I guess you could say that I was putting into his stomach with the ketogenic diet. Cause literally it wasn't passing through the, you know, through your throat or anything, it's going straight into his stomach. So it's mm -hmm. a lot. So we do 50% formula, 50% um, blended diet. So he's on keto V is the formula. And then he gets avocados. He gets chicken. I mean, really any meat you could think of. So chicken, pork, I've given him steak. He's had ribs, but mind you, like when it's ribs, there's no barbecue sauce. It's all right. Right. Nothing with a sugar. Well, let me rephrase that. He does get things like applesauce, but it's also divided into the meal for me to be able to figure out how much he can have. Of it. So let's backtrack. I, because I understand what you're talking about, but someone who is unfamiliar to this may not know, you said he's on a four to one ratio. Yes. Can you explain what the ratios mean yeah. for those? You will explain it better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah. So his four to one ratio, like I said, is the, um, it's pretty much the like top of the, it's the most. Um, they also have a couple other where you can do, at first we did start on a three to one. So you can kind of hop around and just, I want to make sure that I'm telling everybody the right thing here. <laughs> so uh, let me, let me make sure. I tell Is you. it one gram of carbohydrate for every four grams Correct. of fat? You got yes. It. That's yeah. what I thought it was. And so basically he's getting fewer carbohydrates on a four to one ratio than somebody would be getting right. on a three to one ratio. So for right. listeners that are unfamiliar, right. that's what that means. And already a ketogenic diet, it, 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 the, how it works is your body can either burn fat or it can burn glucose. And by reducing right. or eliminating the 
exogenous glucose that we take in via food, your body will then produce all the glucose it needs in the liver and they will, it'll get that through protein. It will make it like for any cellular or brain function that you need, your body can make all the glucose that it needs. And you instead are telling your body to turn fatty acids into ketones for energy. Right. And for bodily functions. Correct. So, so, yes. And so that I am not, I, I don't know how the ketogenic diet helps with ketosis so much. I know that it's, it, well, I know that like it, re, being in a state of ketosis will naturally reduce inflammation in the body. Correct. And that's another reason why I eat it, um, eat this way, just from, for like on a health standpoint, like stepping away from, from it as a treatment for epilepsy. But I have endometriosis. I have, um, I actually tore my cartilage in my shoulder from lifting journey and I have to have surgery on it. Um, and I have a piece of a bone sticking out in my knee. I do not have pain. I don't have as much endometriosis flare ups. In fact, I never have a flare up ever since I went on keto. I have not had a single flare. My knee pain gone, plantar fasciitis gone. My shoulder pain still there because it's a new injury that started in the summer of 2020. But um, it's not as bad when I'm going the strictest low carb that I can because yes. the excess glucose in your body also makes your body hold on to excess water. And that can go into sites of inflammation in your body and cause more pain. So right. from a health standpoint, like this is why I say it's it's applicable in many, many ways. Absolutely. But it is this wonder drug for epilepsy because right. I I think it's because it helps reduce inflammation in the brain. Absolutely. I could be wrong. I'm I wanna say you're right. And if you go on to um, the Epilepsy Foundation's website, they actually will have all that information as well as as well as the Charlie Foundation. Um so there's all that information on there as well that kind of get, it gets a little bit more in depth. Like even with like, when I say four to one, like if you go onto the Charlie foundation, they classify that as a classic keto diet, which mm -hmm. would be 90% fat, 6% protein and 4% carbs. And they kind of break everything down for you so that it's more, I guess, more in layman terms. So you can understand it. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very yeah. it's, 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 it's science. <laughs> yeah. And you, and most of us, like we go to school, we learn about the food pyramid or we learn about the food pyramid in the eighties and nineties. And now we're learning about my plate and it's just, yes. it's, it turns all of that upside down. Yes. And that's, and, and that's why I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's such a foreign concept to so many people. I mean, when right. I first, my reproductive endocrinologist said, you need to do this. It'll help your chances because before we did IVF to get journey. And I was like, this is malarkey. This is woo. And then I started researching it and I dove down rabbit holes of research. And I was like, there have been so many studies done on this that show its effectiveness for so many different things. Oh, yes. And that's why when I heard, when you mentioned that Caleb was starting a ketogenic diet, I was like, this has to help him. It, I mean, I, cause I know it, it can help so many and it's, and it's really not going to help everyone, but it is no. definitely, I think that parents who might be facing issues like this, if your doctor has not mentioned it, please maybe seek out another opinion Absolutely. of somebody who can give you more insight to this because it can be that wonder drug. Absolutely. I mean, and, and if anything, look at it this way. It's literally treating your child with food. Yes. So why not try treating them with food than adding another medication? Because in the yes. epilepsy world, 
the more meds you keep adding, the less and less chance you have of being able to control those seizures. So it's not one of those things where like, oh, they're on five meds. That's good. It's probably controlling it. No. The more meds that you add, the less likely the seizures are going to be controlled by medications. So if this is just a food that's going to potentially be able to help your child, go for it. I mean, if anything and it doesn't work, you can it you can stop doing it. You know, it doesn't have to be this lasting thing if your child is not working for your child. Right. But- and any doctor who prescribes this for your child is, like you said, you are going to be monitored. You're going to be testing. They're going to be following you and guiding you all the way. So it doesn't need to be overwhelming because you've got those medical professionals that are yes. experts in this helping you. So yes, yes while it, it, it can seem like, oh my God, this is such a huge change. It's going to be okay. Your doctors right. that are prescribing it are going to be showing you how to do this. And like I have you, my son's dietitian on speed dial. So if yeah. I have a question for her, I'm like, "Hey," and she, it's and they, it's no problem. And even the Charlie Foundation, if you go on there, they will connect you with a dietitian that is in your state. They will give you, um, it's like a list of dietitians mm-hmm. or nutritionists yep. that are certified in the ketogenic diet in your state. And yeah, and I don't think. Because I looked into it for a while and we ended up speaking, um, we ended up just going with a dietitian that could give us more of like a supplement regimen because Journey for a while, you know, we were having oral motor issues and our diet was kind of getting more and more limited. And I was like, I'm kind of scared that she's not eating enough nutrients, like a variety of them. So I looked into the Charlie Foundation to try to get um, a dietitian, and there are so many that are not in my area, but they do work remotely. They will okay. do telehealth, and so you can don't feel daunted if you go online. You're like, "There's nobody in my city." Reach out to them, absolutely, because they will you help. could probably find someone. Yes, they, they are there to help you. They will mm-hmm. absolutely help you. And you know, speaking of, not only has keto helped Caleb's epilepsy, but also developmentally. Like when we started the ketogenic diet, we even seen progress in him developmentally because Caleb is also globally developmentally delayed. So we seen those, some progress in his development that we were not seeing. So it's kind of like this broad spectrum where it's not only been great for his infantile spasms, but it's been great in other areas as well for him. Yeah. And that's, that's something where just eating higher fat and less of like filler foods like journey's never had cheerios and like i said she's maybe had pasta like a handful of times in her life but we try to feed um we try to feed her gluten-free when possible and we add fat to everything so yogurt that's already really fatty greek yogurt i add olive oil to it and she gets fish oil oil every day yeah mct oil so we we add that to her food and i have noticed a burst in her like awareness, I guess, when we started doing that in February of 2020, it was like a switch was turned on. They're so alert. Like you can just see the like, I guess for like a better alertness, like Mm -hmm. even with Caleb, absolutely. I could tell that he was, I was like, oh, this is like a new kid. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that in America, the United States, we I grew up with the low fat, like the snack wells, you know, we're in our yeah. cabinets, like we're so afraid of fat. And I'm such a, a, a <laughs> like an evangelist for the, the low carb lifestyle yeah. that like my whole family's like, 
they, they just accept it now. But I try to tell people, I'm like, it does not hurt to just reduce one thing and increase the other. It's, it's not, you know, it doesn't hurt to add fish oil to your diet, to eat more salmon instead of something else. Like our brains are made, our brains love cholesterol and cholesterol is made in our body. It's also in our food, but our brains love fat. They, yes. they need the fat. And it's, it's, I think that if, if you just open your minds, sometimes you just dive into the research, you're like, oh, yeah, some of this stuff is actually better for me than I thought. Just because this research is all new. Like we're learning stuff about this, new stuff about this all the time. Absolutely. So like I said, there, you know, this is just part of that spectrum. And for anyone who, you know, might be wondering, you know, about what they may want to try for their child, even if they don't need a ketogenic diet to treat epilepsy, it doesn't hurt to give kids a little more fat in their diet Absolutely because their brains not. need it while they're developing. I think it's astounding that elementary schools give kids skim 1% or 2% milk Yeah, because no. they think that it's better for them. And I'm like, no, they need the fat that, from that whole thing. milk. They're growing. They need that. Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's, yes. And people don't realize how actually how good it is for you. And, and we're talking good fat not like filler fats and stuff like like good yeah. healthy fats. Yes, and there are good fats and there are bad fats. And I could do a whole episode on keto. I think like you and I could probably sit here and talk for hours on it. Oh yes. <laughs> but that's something else I learned. It's like I grew up, you know, thinking that vegetable oil or soybean oil was fine and it's like no, this is stuff that's inflammatory in the body Absolutely. and it's horrible yes. for our arteries and it's horrible for our brains. Absolutely. So yeah, we we use the the avocado oil, the coconut oil, the olive oil in our home. Yes. I do cook with butter. Um, I mean, it's butter's a staple it, in our house. There's so yeah. avocados. <laughs> yeah, avocados, man. I the story of my life. It's like avocados are they're a love hate relationship because I swear I will buy four of them and they're all different levels of ripeness. But all of a sudden. The other, the three that I thought were going to be okay later on the week, they just rotted overnight. And then it's, like, it's like you buying an, and then the avocados, when you cut them open and the pit takes up 80% of the inside. And I'm like, this is the worst. This is pointless. This is the worst <laughs> Easter egg, like the yeah. prize inside the Easter egg. But just so. a little tip you can freeze mashed up avocado. Yes, you taught me that. You can freeze mashed up avocado. Just mash you, it up and pop it in the bag and toss it in the freezer. And I you never know the difference. <laughs> I have so many things to thank you for. Um, I have learned so much from you, but that is the number one thing I have learned from you is that you can freeze avocados and not even mashed up. I will yeah, just scoop them out. Yeah, yeah I take a half of an avocado and I, I lay it on a little pan in my freezer. And when it's frozen solid, I'll break it off the pan and then put them in the bag. So then I can have a mashed avocado whenever I want. And that's it. Because we were going through so many avocados that way. Mm -hmm. like every time I'm like, it's bad. Because <laughs> I, I buy avocados in abundance. I should probably take up stock in avocados because we have so many of them. But they were going bad so quickly. And it's like, what the heck? I use them all the time. So finally, I'm just like, you know, what? I'm going to try and freeze them. And they were great frozen. You can't even tell the difference. And it's so much quicker. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. pull it right out, let it thaw out real quick and toss it in a meal. Yeah. And especially if you're making something like um, like an uh, avocado chocolate pudding or something, like yes. you can't tell. You're going to be blending it up anyway. No, you can't tell so. at all. Anyways, at all. so you mentioned earlier, um, I wanted to talk about Caleb having um, his G-tube. 
Yes. Uh, yes, Caleb does have a G-tube. We actually had that placed right before COVID hit. <laughs> we He had a um, swallow evaluation done in like the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And that told it told us that he wasn't, everything was fine. He was eating perfectly fine. There was no signs of aspiration or anything like that. And then we had another one done at the beginning of 2020, just as kind of a follow-up, make sure everything was going okay. And I honestly thought that there wasn't going to be an issue. The one that we just had, you know, maybe a year ago showed everything was perfectly fine. And I didn't suspect anything because Caleb wasn't showing any types of signs of aspiration. So we went and we had it done and come to find out. Caleb was literally aspirating everything. So he was aspirating thin liquids. He was aspirating thickened liquids, um, thickened fluids, everything. So at that point, I knew I could not, we couldn't go home at that point because now I have no way to feed my child. Um, and I told them like, no, you can't send me home. You have to, we have to be admitted. How am I going to feed my, how am I going to feed my child? So they directly admitted us to, and we were at, um, Beaumont Royal Oak, they directly admitted us and they placed an NG at that point to be, so we could be able to get nutrition into Caleb. And an NG is the nasal, nasal gastric, correct? Nasal, yes, nasal gastric. So it goes up in the nose and then down into, into the, the tummy. Mm-hmm. So it's not invasive because like no. some parents are going to be like, what is an NG? Do I, oh my God. Yes, it's what, a what? nasal gastric. Yeah, it's not invasive. It's, it, it's, does not require surgery. No, it's, it doesn't. Right. It's, it's sort of, sometimes that's a temporary thing. I know like Journey had one in the NICU for a while until they could verify that she could swallow appropriately and like things were going down the right hole. Right. Um, But that is sometimes also the first step to getting a G-tube placed. Yes. And that was Caleb's first, that was his first step. I mean, and like you said, it's very invasive. I mean, of course it's going to be uncomfortable. And I think it, it pulled more at my heartstrings than, you know, it really bothered Caleb because Caleb's pretty he's pretty good. Like even when they start IVs and do lab draws on him, they, he does not put up a fuss at all, but he doesn't like to be held down. And they had to hold him down, obviously to make sure that they were positioning that NG tube. Right. So it was pulling more at my heartstrings than it was at his. Um, but we got that placed and they started him on a feed and he, now mind you, he was still on the ketogenic diet at that point. So he, we had to get in a keto formula which we already had at home. So I just told my husband to bring some up, which is what we did. And then they got some in for us. And then they wanted to send us home and schedule Caleb as an outpatient outpatient placement for his G-tube. But I, I put my foot down and I said, absolutely not, because I know my child does not tolerate pain very well. And they told me that, well, it shouldn't be painful, but everybody is different. And I'm not going to take my child home knowing that there's a potential for it, knowing how he reacts to it. So we scheduled him to have surgery there within two days of them placing his NG tube. And that's when he had his G tube placed. And it went, the surgery went very smoothly. um, But as I knew my child, when he got out of surgery, he was in a significant amount of pain because Caleb does not handle, handles like surgeries like that very well. He's, he does not handle pain very well. Um, So we ended up staying all in all about a week in the hospital for that 
and then we were we were literally released from the hospital two days before everything started happening with COVID. Oh my god! Yeah, like what? Okay, so what time? Because for us, the the COVID experience, it I mean, because it hit the United States in such different pockets. Right. I don't know when it. I can't. I mean, we went to Mexico in March of 2020, and we literally flew home into the pandemic. Like our city was going into lockdown in Atlanta. So. Okay. So I don't had, remember when it what what was happening in your part of the country at that point, or like whenever this was right. going on. We had he had his swallow evaluation done on March second of twenty twenty, and then he had his G tube placement March fifth of twenty twenty, and we were home by the eighth of March in twenty twenty, and then that week is when all the craziness started happening with COVID. Yeah. Which Same is the week us. they wanted to schedule him for his outpatient placement for his G-tube. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am so glad that I listened to like my inner mommy and said, no, you're going to do this surgery now. So we were, it just happened so lucky that we were, we avoided having to be in the hospital when COVID hit and I didn't have to worry about it because they would have canceled that surgery. Yeah. You know, they then we would have been... We would have been, you know, stuck with his NG tube and, and Caleb is not one that likes things on his face. So he was constantly trying to pull it out. Yes. And, and I was, was a nightmare. that's just it. And then you run the risk of having to go back and having it placed so many more times. And then yes. you're just exposing your family, your child when this is all going on. So yes, definitely. You, I am so glad that you advocated for getting that surgery yes. right then and there because that could have been a much more longer drawn oh, out yeah. hassle. Yeah, and there was no way that I, like, I told my mom, I said, there's no way that I'm going to have them discharge us to just have to come right back in a few days to have his G2 place. We're already here. Let's just get it done. So then if he does have, you know, any type of reaction or he is in a lot of pain, we're here and we can get it under control and I can make sure things are good. So, and I was just so glad that I just went with that inner gut and I was just like, yeah, we're doing this now. <laughs> so for me, I'm a little unfamiliar with exactly how a G-tube functions, mm -hmm. but could you go into that a little bit? Absolutely. So they call it a button. So Caleb has, it's called a Mickey button and it's literally, if you look at it, it almost kind of like when you open it, cause it has where you can just like pop it in like a button for So it closes it off. And when you open it, it almost kind of looks like a T because at one on one side you have a port where it's to insert um, a syringe so you can inflate the balloon. So like imagine a Foley catheter when they're okay. sticking the catheter in you, there's that balloon at the end of it. So it stays in place, which is kind of the same concept of a G tube, except for the stem is what they call that goes on the goes in the inside and into the stomach is shorter. And then there's the balloon at, around it that keeps the G-tube in place. And that's really all it is. It's not it's not this big thing like some people may think. Um, it's very tiny. Caleb's, I mean, it's called a mini button, so you can barely even see it when it's underneath his clothes. And it's very, I mean, it's very simple. I literally, they have, they call it an extension and you click it right in to his mini button and then the extension comes out, which is what you connect the tubing to, to be able to feed him. And that's And so when you're administering feeds, mm -hmm. are they, they're on a, on a feeding pump, correct? correct. 
Yes, his is on a feeding pump. You can do what they call bolus feeds, which mm-hmm. is basically taking, it's like this giant syringe. Um, and it's, oh, they also call it a gravity feed. And you kind of put the formula in there or blended diet if you're going to do a blended diet. And you just hold it up and you let gravity take take its course and, and feed your child that way or the individual that way. Um, but for Caleb, that is a lot of substance all at once his stomach could not handle doing a gravity or a bolus feed so for us we use his pump and i feed him over an hour so the pump is programmed to it'll it'll push some in and then it stops and then it'll push some more in and his feeding is done completely over an hour so it's not so much all at once yeah i've seen some adults um in different disability communities that have um tubes and they like they'll they do gravity feeds or bolus feeds like or they have a pump and I I know there's like a different variety of it but it's good that you're explaining it because you know some parent might be listening be like okay okay this makes more sense now that there's why why is my child not doing it that way oh and that that's this is probably why they don't have it doing it that way so yeah could not handle the bolus feed there it's it was just way too much on they did we did try it and it was actually making him vomit. So I'm like, no. Yeah, because it's, way it's too much it's too much food at once. Yes. You know, and he's a he's only gonna be three, so that's he's got a tiny stomach. He can't handle that mm-hmm. all at once. Uh, yeah. so for us it was more optimal to be able to just go ahead and go with the pump. And it's worked great. You know, we all I always knew that the feeding tube might be a potential with Caleb because throughout this Caleb has been diagnosed as failure to thrive multiple times. Caleb has always been on, I guess for lack of better words, the tiny side. Um, So we always knew that a feeding tube might be a potential. And I I tried my hardest to be able to avoid that. Uh, But in all honesty, I really wish we would have got it sooner because it has truly been such a good thing for him that I'm like, oh man, we should have just, you know, went ahead and got it sooner. But you live and you learn and, and mm-hmm. he's doing great now. You know, he's thriving now. Besides yeah, I mean, hindsight, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. I think yes. all of us are going to look back and wish we had done something differently. Yes. And that you can't, we can't beat ourselves up over that Absolutely because not. ultimately, are we we still are going to make the best decisions we can for our children and that's just it you know you make you make the best decisions that you for your children and you know if you like you said hindsight is 2020 and you figure out okay maybe i should have done it this way well that's okay you know it's all right it'll it's going to be okay yeah just definitely as long as you're doing what you need to do and advocating for your Mm -hmm. child i think that's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. definitely um so when after he got the tube, did you start to see an increase in growth and weight gain? Oh like, yes, was it absolutely. Good? Even I'm not, I know I said with the ketogenic diet, we've seen develop, um, we've seen progress in his development. But then when we added the G tube in, and now he's getting the nutrition that he needs because he needs. Because remind you, he was aspirating everything, so everything was going into his lungs. So food, medication, all of that, a lot of it was going right into his lungs. So now that he was getting the nutrition and everything he he needed, the development even more just skyrocketed. He started sitting up a little bit because Caleb right now, he he doesn't completely sit unassisted by himself. 
Um, he's not rolling over or anything like that. But since starting the G-Tube, we have seen major progresses in those areas. He's even trying to take steps now. And we just started with a gait trainer. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I think yes. I remember seeing you post about that. But I mean, I things go in and out of my brain. But that's amazing. Yes. It has truly been it's truly been a blessing, you know, like, because when, before, when I said that I tried to be able to not have him, um, have the G tube, that was more of me saying, I guess kind of feeling like if I got it, I kind of failed my child in a way. And I know that's crazy to think, but when you're going through so much, it's like your kid is going through so much and I don't want to have him go through this one other thing. And now looking back at it, like you said, it's like, man, that would have just made, his life and my life so much easier, but it's okay. You live and you learn and he's doing great. Like he's doing, his therapists are just like, oh my gosh, he's reaching out and grabbing things now. He's holding on to things. Um, I had him on his back the other day on it because we still use a play mat with him. Um, and he was reaching up and trying to bat at his little like Nemo fish mm -hmm. that hangs from it. And he's just, he's doing so good in that area. Yeah, we, we were, you know, we have, we're dealing with motor um, coordination issues due to cerebral palsy and right. journey was very late. She actually rolled over before she sat up, which I'm not sure. I don't even know what order babies do things. <laughs> like what's, what's considered typical. <laughs> I just, I just know what happened to us, but we were scooting before we ever rolled and the baby play mat, we outgrew and I ended up building a PVC frame. I remember to hang toys you from. posting that. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was definitely a, it was like a, a big aha moment. It's like, you know what? Like she developmentally loves to bat at toys and explore things, but her, the, the, store-bought things don't fit her needs and that's and it so, too you have mm -hmm. to get creative yes because and think outside the box get, Caleb's starting to get to that point too and I literally just told my husband the other day I'm like we need to make something for him like you did for journey and I'm like I should pull that thing up that Kelly made and show I'll send husband. you the picture yeah, yeah I'll send you the picture because he's starting um, to get to that point now where he's it's he's just getting too big for it but he, like journey, yeah. he loves to bat at it Mm -hmm. And what worked well for us was getting those, the foam squares, like the, are the yeah. baby playmat squares. Okay. Um, and we built it the right size to where we could put the squares underneath it. So she still had something soft to lay on, but right. the way that this one, the one I built was designed, there were no bars for her to accidentally like roll on top of and be uncomfortable. It was, it was genius. I don't know if it's my years of stagecraft and like, art school and junk, all these crap classes that I was told would never amount to anything, but they did because I built my kid a play gym. Well, <laughs> so. We're going to take that genius that you made and we're going to copy it just so you All know. right. Well, I'll send you the picture. I'll send you the picture. Okay. Um, uh, you can probably work on the measurements to see what would be best for you, but it was, it was pretty easy and super cheap. Um, awesome. In fact, Home Depot ended up donating this stuff to me. That oh, that's day. so awesome. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. They, I, I was in the store yeah, I was trying to cut the pieces myself and the store manager's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to build this for my kid. And I gave him the whole like sob story. I was like, and she's outgrown her play gym and I don't know what to do about it. So I thought I'd build her this. And he's like, give me your, give me, give me that PVC. And he literally built it right there in the aisle for me. And I said, That's okay. So awesome. He's like, take it up to the register with this note basically. And, and 
he's and the cashier was like okay see ya and it's nice. like they just that yeah. is so awesome that mm-hmm. is awesome that manager still works at that store and i his name is michael and i say hello to him every time i've seen him since obviously like not that much in 2020 but right. i saw him a couple times after that and i was like i just wanted to thank you again you have Absolutely. no idea how much that meant to me because it's those little things and that's it too like people don't realize like they don't realize especially when you're in i guess for lack of better terms the special needs world it's the little things that people don't realize when they don't think it's that big, but to us, it's, it's huge. Oh my gosh. Yes. That has such a big impact for our children. And your, your story of how you wrote to, was it Fisher Price to get the drum toy? Please share that story because I think that we, I was, okay. I'm at this respite retreat home right now, which Mm -hmm. I did a whole little episode on, but I basically, I did like a little like 20 minute, just here's my thoughts. And I said, I have realized that for the last couple of years, I have forgotten how to ask for help because I just don't, I think that it takes less time for me just to figure it out on my own. I'm in the same then for Yes. And I have made a goal for 2021 to ask for help more often because when I take that much out of myself and I'm putting so much of myself into solving problems, I am not helping myself rest and heal and recover like I need to be. Absolutely. And so I I am now remembering the story that you told about how you reached out and got this toy. And I think that would be amazing to share. Okay. So the drum, um, it's a toy that Caleb uses at his occupational therapy and it's made by Fisher Price. Now, mind you, when you find, especially with a child who's developmentally delayed, when you find a toy that they're like, oh yeah, it becomes gold and you're like, where can I get this toy? Because we have to have this toy because this is what my child is going to use and this is going to help them. So I went online when I got home to try and look for this toy and I did find it on Walmart. But when I went on to Walmart, it said that it was out of stock and they didn't think they were going to be able or wouldn't get it back in stock. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, no. So then I'm looking all over the place for this toy and I cannot find it anywhere. I'm like, you know what? It's made by Fisher Price. Let me reach out to Fisher Price and just see if they can help me locate it so that I can buy it. So I reached out to them and I just, I told them the story. Like my son is in OT and this is what we use it for. And I'm just trying to get this toy so I can have it at home to assist him with his, his OT exercises and everything at home. I would greatly appreciate it if, you know, you could just steer me in the direction of where this toy is. So I sent them the message and, you know, you get the, like the little generic, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as as possible because I messaged them on Facebook. Um, within 24 hours, I did have somebody reach back out to me and they asked me for like my address and phone number and all of this stuff. And they were said that, you know, we will get back to you. We're going to we're going to try and help you find this toy. So within 24 hours after that, I received another message stating that they had sent this toy out. And I'm just like, wait a minute, what? I just wanted you to tell me where it is so so I can buy this toy. I was not expecting them to just send me this toy, but that is exactly what they did. And then within, I would say, two to three days, we got it in the mail. I open it up. And not only is the, because it comes in a set, it comes with a keyboard and the drum. So not only is the one set in there, but there was another set in there. And I'm like, what the heck? 
So I immediately messaged Fisher Price back because, you know, I didn't, did they make a mistake and send me this one? You know, I will have no problem sending it back to them. No big deal. So when I messaged them to ask them, they told me that they sent me two because they wanted to make sure that if something happened to the first one, that Caleb would have another one to be able to have so he can continue to develop. That is amazing. I and I love, I love Fisher Price. <laughs> yes, I, they are like my favorite now. Yes. I will and I... <laughs> Yes, they are absolutely my favorite. (laughs) The challenge of finding those toys, Journey has so many toys that I have bought off eBay and um, Mercari and Facebook Marketplace that are these toys that her therapists have had for 10 years, 15 years, and they go through rotation and they get used, but they don't get used and abused like a regular kid's toy, you know, that's that age. So they are still working. And And if Journey latched onto it and loved it, I was like, how do I find that? Yeah. What actually popped up in my Facebook memories, I think it was either yesterday or today, was me finding this bee. This I don't even remember who makes it. I think it's Fisher Price, but it's this bee that rolls back and forth and lights up and makes sounds. Her speech therapist, she loved that thing so much that I was on a like a mission to I find this I remember you posting about that. Yeah. And like somebody wanted to charge like $40 for it. And I was like, okay, I love it, but I don't love it for $40. And so I right. finally ended up finding one. I think I paid like with shipping like 25, but yet that just popped up. And then writing into the companies, um, we, I bought one of these whales that when you push a button, it spits balls out of the spout and goes down a spiral because I'm trying to teach Journey right now how to pick up a ball and put it into a container. And so she, that's a skill that we're working on. Um, And so I thought, oh, this will be a really good thing. So I found one of these whales at a secondhand shop, a thrift store. But of course it had no balls because that's the first thing that goes missing with a toddler toy or the balls. Right. (laughs) And I was like, and I tried ping pong balls. I tried balls from other toys. And I finally, I emailed the company and I said, I got this toy because I thought it'd be great for my daughter who's learning these skills. And I, I, you inspired me when I was writing that email. I said, you know, she's I, she's learning these skills through her OT and she really just loves variety and she wants I wanted her to try a new toy but and I found this cuz and I was so glad to find it for like $4 at a thrift store because I couldn't afford it new and it has no balls and I was just wondering can I buy some can I order some balls and I they on the little contact form I put in you know they ask for your address and your phone number and everything yes. and about 2 weeks later a a bag of balls showed up in my mailbox from that company. No, they never even responded back. They oh, just sent awesome. them. And then what's funny is one of the moms in the May Mom groups, I had posted about that and she ended up shipping me a bag of balls too. So now we have balls for days <laughs> for this whale. Now you'll <laughs> never have to worry. <laughs> oh, never. And it's like, and I didn't realize that that thing shoots those things really fast. It's almost like, whoo, that's, it's, it's violent. <laughs> so we're not quite at the level of, of that yet, but it is, it's still good practice for her to put them in there, but like it spits them out really hard. It's like a little machine gun. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And so asking for that help, I think like reaching out and saying, Hey, like I need this. My child thrives with this. Like that's one of those things that like, if we just ask, I think that it, it it's kind of like it, I put that part of my brain to, to sleep a couple of years ago. And I'm like, yes. I'm going to figure this out for myself instead of just sitting down and saying, how can I, how can I get this? Please help me. Right. We, we did the same issue, same problem back in the spring with, um, I think it's, I don't know who makes it. Maybe it's radio. It's radio flyer. I think they make those little tricycles that you can push the kid on yes, and steer it. 
Okay. So yes. Journey got one for her birthday in 2019 and we used it for a little while, but she didn't have the core strength to sit up in it. So we kind of got it like too soon. It was wishful thinking. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, we were like wanting something to do outside. So we were like, well, let's push her around the patio in right. circles and it broke. It wouldn't steer oh, anymore. No. And I reached out to the company and I said, is there any way you can send me a replacement part? And they said, yeah, here we go. I was, cause I told them, I was like, my daughter, like we can't go anywhere because of the pandemic and she can't really do anything like, um, that's physically active cause she can't walk yet. And I said that she loves being pushed around, but we don't want to just push her around in the stroller. I was like, this is something she loves, but now we can't steer it. Can you please help us? And they sent an entire new, like, Basically, a whole new tricycle came in That's the mail. Amazing, yeah. And I was, that this is, is so outrageous. Awesome. I know. So if you just don't be afraid, parents that might be listening, don't be afraid to ask. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt. The worst you're going to be told is no, and then you probably were already working on a backup plan in your brain anyway. And that's exactly it. Because I was already <laughs> working on the backup plan in my brain, and I really don't think that for me, I didn't realize how much I had pushed back asking for help and you know because I'm very much like you just I'll just do it myself you know I didn't realize how much like I wasn't asking for help until that because when they just sent it to us I was just like oh my gosh I probably like cried more than I should have but that's such a big deal that I was just I was so flabbergasted and shocked Mm -hmm. and I think this is something that like hit me while I've been here, like alone with my thoughts on this respite weekend. You think, we think instantly sometimes that asking for help is about us getting something out of it. But when we're doing it for our child, think, try to think about it. If that's like, what is the mental block? Don't think about it like that. Rephrase it to where I am doing this for my child That's exactly to benefit my child. Absolutely. And that's what I was like, it, it was kind of like a slap in the face when that when I realized that, because I was like, oh, I am good at advocating for my child. And if I need to advocate for myself on behalf of my child, then That's okay. I'm still advocating for my child. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So what kind, I know you mentioned your mom and Caleb's with your mom right now, right? Yes. She's actually okay. watching him. So I can do and this with she you. lives across the street from you <laughs> yeah. guys. Yes. That's, I mean, that's pretty fortunate. I know we are so, you know, I am so very blessed and lucky. My family has literally been such a huge support and, you know, especially my mom um, and even my mother-in-law, my, my in-laws though live in Pennsylvania. So unfortunately my mother-in-law can't be, as big of a help as she would like to be because there is that distance. But when she is here, she is absolutely 100% in there with us helping just as much as my mom. But my mom has truly been like, my mom is a godsend. I, I really don't even know what I would do without her. Um, she, like I said, she works for the epilepsy foundation of Michigan. So when Caleb was diagnosed with epilepsy, really, I went to her for so much because I was new to it. You know, I first time mom and I was kind of, I guess, thrown into this medical special needs world. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like, what do I do? So being able to have that as a resource has been 
so amazing. And I just, my mom is just awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just having that close proximity of family yes. can yes. be so amazing. My in-laws live about 30 to 40 minutes away. My parents and my sister live about 30 minutes away. And so it's never been a huge, like I, it's been, it's never been super easy, I guess you should say. Like yeah. it takes more time to coordinate. Can you come over and help me do this? Can you come over and help me do that? Or can right. we drop? So there are times, um, and my in-laws recently uh, took a sabbatical and basically did, um, what's it called? Not snowboarding, but basically where you just head to Florida for a while. Oh, I don't, I don't remember what that's called. But yeah, so they <laughs> they took um, they were renting a house in Florida for a while to be closer to my mother in law's uh, family down there okay. because they haven't seen them essentially the entire year because of COVID, and so they kind of like switched out their bubble, their social bubble, okay, which is completely understandable. But my mother in law, my father in law, I was so great grateful that sometimes if I needed to do something like go to a, the dentist, like I had to switch dentists and go to one near their house so I could, you know, be able or go to a doctor right. near their house so I could drop off. It was easier for me to drop journey off with them and go to the doctor down the street. I don't have that now. So it's, 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 it's a, a little bit, it's a lot, definitely. No, it's a lot. Um, and I mean, and I don't know about you, but I am so incredibly picky with who or if I'm going to leave mm -hmm. Caleb with, you know, yes. like, it's just not like very honestly, my mother is probably one of the only people that I would, that I am 100% comfortable leaving Caleb with, but that's because she knows his routine. She knows what to do. You know, she knows seizure protocol. She knows his routine. She knows the doctors because she's been there with us through it all. You know, and when you have a child that is medically complex and has all of these medical quote unquote issues, leaving your child with somebody is a huge deal. Definitely. Know, and you have to have that trust there. Yeah, for sure. And it's, that's been a challenge for us. Um, when Journey was much younger, just like a tiny, you know, infant, yeah. uh, we had friends that lived nearby and we could drop her off for a couple of hours here and there. It was one of those things that if I was working at night and Sandy wasn't home yet, you know, we could, it was like a two hour thing and it was almost always during a nap. And so it was so much easier. And as our children grow, they, I mean, any child, even a neurotypical child becomes more complex. They, they have likes and dislikes. They have a more rigid schedule of things, you know, like naps are a pretty regimented thing in our house. Like we know exactly when meals are, we know exactly when naps are, like we, we thrive on a schedule. And so throwing a wrench into that whole mechanism can really, it can really make or break a day and then oh, you got to recover from it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. I, I wish that there were more resources available to parents with children like like ours that you know special needs caregivers like um, being able to find like a babysitter for a couple of hours that would understand this right. is you know the this is what you have to do it's 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 impossible and so relying on family people that you keep in your life forever you know that's been yes. that's been what we've we've 
leaned against and we've Absolutely. leaned on for support. And I wish I'm I wish I could have family that lived as close as yours and that you could be so have that support right there. Like you like you said, you are so incredibly blessed. Yes. And I and I say that like I I know that not not everybody has that. You know, and like I I'm just so lucky and blessed to have that because you know, hitting on I guess a different subject caregiver burnout is so real you know you we're human too and we still need that time to just be able to sit back and take a deep breath and just have that me time and if you don't have that support system it's nearly impossible to get that yeah so yeah and we as caregivers we are still people absolutely away from our children and I think that's been a big challenge for me in the last couple of years is trying to figure out who I am when I'm not a mom yes. because I am a mom 24 seven. Like we will always be mothers to our Absolutely. children, even, even parents of medically complex kids that may end up losing their child. They are still a parent to that child, 100%. even if their children is not on the, on this earth, but figuring out who you are like you're still another person, even though you're also a parent. And that I think is something that is a big goal of mine in 2021 is to remember who I am when I'm not momming. And that's, so, and it's so hard because I have so that hard. problem too. You know, I've literally, sometimes I don't even look at myself as Shauna. I'm Caleb's mom. You know what I mean? Yes. But I have to consistently remind myself that Yes, you are Caleb's mom, but you were Shauna before you were Caleb's mom. And that is okay to do that, but it's so hard. It's to hard. Do and that. I think and I think that um one thing that I'm kind of I, I, I've kind of reached my breaking point on it is you know how doctors and therapists will call you mom? Yes. I yes. kind of want to like start saying, Can you please maybe use my name? Oh, I Even if you just use my name. <laughs> like I, I haven't reached that point yet, but I'm tempted because I feel like I, I think that makes it worse for me. It just it it reminds me that, oh, here I am. I'm a mom. I'm not a person. You know, that's the one of the things that I kind of nipped really quick, because like you said, like when you consistently have somebody calling you mom, that's what you start to identify yourself as, you know. And yes, I'm a mom. I am Caleb's mother, but I'm also Shauna. So mm-hmm. now when I speak to Caleb's doctors, they call, they'll say Shauna. And I'm like, thank you. You are a stronger, <laughs> you are a stronger woman than me because I have, no, I am just now getting to that point. And I think that we're all on a journey where we all, and that's it. I think, I think a lot of parents come to that realization, like, but they probably come to it at a different point. And I think I'm just having this whole like mental renaissance of myself in 2021 just because 2020 put us all through the ringer oh my goodness. I mean we I think everybody lost somebody that they loved or knew somebody whose life was turned upside down and I think it all made us more aware of our own presence absolutely in our families in society it just it, on this earth in general and I have always been one of those people and I, I I say this almost all the time when we have family therapy with our therapist online I say like I've done this this week because I felt like it was a good way to put good back into the world I'm always trying to like every day I wake up what am I going to do that's good to the world and sometimes that involves doing something amazing for my child and sometimes it involves doing something amazing for a stranger so, 
but and sharing stories like this, like collecting these stories, putting the good back into the world. Because right. I'm hoping that somebody will one day listen to this and say, God, I'm so glad I listened to that. It makes me feel so much better. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like when you asked me to be a part of this, I was just like, oh my gosh, like really? That's, yeah, that's of course. So <laughs> I've got a treasure trove of moms <laughs> in that group. Like we, in our due date group, there's the big group and then there's lots of little offshoots and there's a small one that's very petite. And my friend Donna is also in that. And she was in episode, um, 3.2, I think. Yes, and, I listened to that and I cried the entire time. I invited her, I invited her to join that because it's not, it's, it's for parents, it's for the moms that also have special needs children. And there are, I think there's like 40 or 50 of us in there. It's small. Yeah, it's small. It's a small. But group. it's very intimate. And we have always, since that group was founded, we have been able to go in there and just vent. Like sometimes we're yes. just like, I just got to get this out there because just putting the words down on electronic paper on Facebook sometimes is just therapeutic and cathartic. Absolutely. Yeah. They're still reading it so they can read what you're saying. And those moms, they get it. Like mm -hmm. they understand it. Like sometimes when we're in the big main group and, and one mom is like, oh, my, my child is not like like back they're like they're not walking yet is this normal and I'm like I wish my kid could walk right now yeah. <laughs> like they and sometimes that I know it sometimes it can sound petty like that but you wish for those things and the moms in that subgroup they just they get that it's, so it's perspective it's how yes. much perspective you have and we all know how wonderfully precious these little inch stones and milestones are that our children meet yes. and you know, finding new things. It's not even like, I don't, I don't even live my life. I don't wake up every day saying, I'm going to see if, if Journey can do this today. That's not how I live my life. Nope. We wake up and finding like, what are we going to find joy in? Absolutely. You know, what are we going to do? Like I learned, I've learned so many little things about what she likes to do, new stuff. And that's what really just makes us happy as a family. And like I had, I wanted a child that hopefully would love some same things that I do. Does Journey love art? Absolutely not. Not yet. <laughs> she ha does not like coloring. She doesn't like to play with paint. She's getting okay with Play-Doh. Like she's, she's tolerating it. What she loves are things like watching football and soccer, and she loves to play with cars and trucks and fire engines. <laughs> she is, at this point, she reminds me of like a little tomboy. And yes, oh I still, I, I dress her with like bows and stuff, but you know, I love learning what she loves to do. I love seeing the joy on her face. Absolutely. And, and that's what makes my day too, is seeing the joy on Caleb's face. Cause that's, that's how we basically live our life too. Like, okay what joy are we going to find in today? You know, um, cause like Caleb, his, he loves water. He is my water baby. I could put him in the bathtub and he would literally stay in the bathtub all day if I would let him. Same. That is his joy. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Okay. Well, we will rock that out then today, kiddo, but you cannot stay in there all day cause you're going to turn all pruny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a water baby too. Um, and that's, <sighs> she also loves to splash. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Cause so as, as far as like, like core strength and balance, we're still trying to figuring it out. And then with, with hemiplegic cerebral palsy, you've got one side that often has more tone or less tone. And so for journey, she, she, she has less of a, 
she has more high tone on her right side on her trunk or at least it's more developed the muscles are more developed and so she ends up kind of like wanting to slump to one side or lay back and like rest we're getting better about it like it's it's working its way out and it's getting more balanced and that'll be important for balance when she uh, does eventually start walking but she wants to lay down in the tub so we have like the water like really low but enough to splash she will probably still kick almost every drop of water out of that tub because she wants to kick and splash so much She's like a little fish. I bet if I like put her in a pool, she could just float and swim from all that kicking that she does. So and Caleb's the same way. Caleb, yeah. he, cause he lays, cause he can't sit unassisted. Right. Um, so we lay him down in the tub and I'll put, I'll put water in it. You know, I, I sit in there with him and he just like splashes all over the place. And I'm like, oh my goodness, child, like for real, you're getting me. You're like, you're getting my four, but that's okay. Cause he loves it. And that's all. And to look on his face. It just makes my day. That's all that matters to me. So. I'm hoping that maybe this summer, if things are a little bit more normal in the world and we can all venture out of our homes into society again on a regular basis, like <laughs> seeing what that what that little boy can do in a swimming pool will be amazing. I actually um, told my husband, I'm like, we need to get a swimming pool in our backyard so that I can take him in it because he would literally, I would literally probably have to spend all day outside in the pool because he, you, you know what? Um, my friends, uh, my friend Donna, they built a stock tank pool in their backyard Oh, and it's very affordable. Really? So if somebody's, if yeah, it's better, it's more durable than one of those temporary, you know, one or two summer pools. Okay. Um, and it has a little pool pump. You can put chemicals in it. It's, it's great because their son Barnett is also, he's just now walking. Like he's doing some cruising. He's doing pretty good. Um, but definitely could could benefit from being able to, you know, maneuver around in a pool and explore that way. And they decided to build it at the beginning of COVID or right before the summer of 2020. And I, I ran, you know, they ran the numbers by me. I was like, that is very affordable. And it's meant to last more than just a couple of summers. Like they'll be able to enjoy that for a while. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah. Look into stock tanks because you can get like an eight foot wide stock tank pretty affordably. And then it's basically just laying down a foundation of gravel mm -hmm. underneath it or sand and put a, drilling a hole in, attaching the pump and, you know, that's it. So yeah, you can, you, there's total, <coughs> you can learn if you're, I don't know how handy your husband is, but um, you could probably install it yourself rather easily. I'm fortunate that he is quite the handy man. So we should be okay in that aspect. Well, I expect to see pictures when it's done. <laughs> no, you're yes, fine. I, I, I expect to see pictures. <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. Excuse me. Oh, it's okay. Um, so do you have any – I don't want to keep you too long because we're rolling along here, but <laughs> do you have any any final thoughts, any tips, tricks, words of advice or affirmation for anybody who might be – might have just had a child be diagnosed with either epilepsy or microcephaly or, or anything. So when Caleb was first diagnosed with microcephaly and you're in this group too, it's a microcephaly group yeah, online. We, the difference is that there's pri and this is something that I meant, I wanted to mention earlier, there's primary microcephaly and there's secondary microcephaly. And for a lot of children that have had hypoxic brain injuries, they will end up with secondary microcephaly, which is almost always, just a cosmetic issue 
sometimes it does require um, a little bit of surgery to help if they're because their their skulls will be smaller, but sometimes they don't always grow evenly. And so sometimes it requires um, cranial therapy with a helmet or surgery to uh, repair sutures, things like that. But it does not, it that is a result of the birth injury. It is not something that is congenital. Right. And then Caleb has primary Microsoft, which is congenital. Correct. So he, his brain is, his brain is underdeveloped. So for him, um, even like, you know, like therapy and everything in regards to that, that probably is not an option for us. Um, But in joining that group, there was, when I, we first got that diagnosis and I got on there because literally there's in my area, because we're in Michigan, um, there is no groups that you can go to that like you actually go to them and meet these people or anything like that. And even for that matter, in, in my research, I really didn't find a whole bunch of like support for microcephaly. There was a foundation, but it's not like a, a working foundation, I guess you could say. Um, I did try to reach out for, to them and I never really got anything back, but there is an amazing group online for it. And one of the moms in there, in the beginning of all of this, she told me, she told me a couple things. And there's two things that I've always held on to. Um, it was when we first started and she told me, take a week, take a week to grieve, feel whatever emotion that you need to feel. And then put your big girl panties on and you just advocate for your child. And I did that. So my big thing, and I've told a lot of parents that, you know, are new to this special needs world or medically complex, take that time to feel what you need to feel because it is okay. And you need to process through those feelings and, and get it out and then be the best advocate you can be for your child. And then with that, she also told me that in finding your team for your child, because Caleb has we call it Caleb's team. So it's a team of all of his doctors and therapists and all of that. It is his care team. And in that team, it is okay to say, you are not the doctor for us. You're not fitting our needs. And it's yep. also okay to move on. Yep. You know, there is no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like we started out with a regular pediatric neurologist whom I love. Dr. Sivaswamy was amazing. But once we found out the severity of Caleb's epilepsy, she unfortunately was no longer fitting the needs for our child. So I had to do what was best for our child. And we had to move on to somebody who specialized and could give us not better care, but the care that he needed. Yeah. I, you, it's hard because we, we basically switched over so many of our therapists because of COVID. Um, we lost our, we, we decided to um, step away from early intervention services because here in Georgia, they went full remote and okay. we needed p- physical therapy. We needed occupational therapy done in like by the people that are trained to do that, not right. me doing it by being told what to do over a video screen. And that is no fault of our therapists. They're amazing. And I right. loved them. They were amazing people, but they, we just, the situation just warranted a change. And I, I finally had to come to terms with the idea. And I was like, you know what? My kid outgrows clothes. My kid outgrows toys. 
my kid can outgrow her care team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and that mom had worded it. It's okay to fire somebody if you need to. I don't use that word. I just move. We're moving on. Right. Because it's not always like a bad thing. And sometimes it is. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is. But sometimes it's not. So you no longer fit the care that my child needs. So we have to move on to somebody who is going to provide that care. And but it can I, be hard because you might also oh, yeah. feel like safety and reassurance because you've been with that, yes. that medical professional for so long, but you have to know that it also doesn't hurt um, to just get a second opinion or like Absolutely. try with somebody, like maybe pause services with that person say, hey, I, I kind of want to just get a different set of eyes and hands on my child. Can we pause this for like a month? I'm going to go to this clinic and just see what they say. And then, you know, we'll, we'll continue with you if, if it turns out they're not a good fit. Right. And it, they've, you're not, they are not being told anything they have not been told before. Absolutely. No, you know, exactly. Don't be so, scared to say no. Like, right. There has, like when last December, when Caleb was in the hospital, um, that two weeks that he was in the hospital and he was really sick, he had a strain of the coronavirus. He did not have COVID. Um, and he, we were in there for almost two weeks. We got discharged on Christmas Eve, but while we were in there, I told probably three doctors that they were no longer allowed in my child's room because Mm -hmm. they were not, they weren't first, they weren't listening to me. And that's another big thing. You want a doctor that is going to listen to you because yes, that doctor may have an MD or whatever behind their name, but I have a PhD in my child. And Mm -hmm. I know my child and it is so important to have that relationship with your doctor. Yeah. Um, And for me, that's a big thing. mm -hmm. If you're not going to listen to me, you've got to go. I'm sorry. Yeah. We have, um, I, I mean, everybody knows you go to a doctor's appointment, you might be in there 20 minutes with them. That, that doctor is going to see your child for 20 minutes, maybe three or four times a year. You're going to see your child sometimes 24 hours a day. Or exactly. most of the day, even when they're not sleeping. Yeah. So you, yeah, you have to just carry that confidence with you when you go in. And confidence is not the same as like arrogance because we can get really overconfident sometimes. Like I know my child better than you, but there's a way to advocate for your child. Say, I understand what you're saying, but I really think that like, I would like to explore this issue further and, and I'm, I, w- and I would like it. to go get your blessing. I would like, I'm going to go get a second opinion to see what, you know, I was like, I just, there's something about it. And I have her, uh, my daughter's um, orthopedist. He's a great doctor and we only see him to get x-rays of her hips to making sure that everything's developing um, correctly um, because weight bearing is so important to bone development and children with cerebral palsy typically don't get to the weight bearing stage of motor skills until, you know, later than a neurotypical child will. And also if you have hemiplegic cerebral palsy, you're also more at risk for things like scoliosis. So um, we were looking at issues of her neck. We thought she had torticollis, but what she was actually doing was tipping her head to try to see things better. And he was concerned about that. And I said, if you put something in front of her that she wants, to, like, I was like, this, this, I think this is more linked to her vision than anything else. And he said, what? And I was like, well, she has cortical visual impairment. And I was like, we've noticed that this is not a constant thing. She's not always tipping her head over. It's when she's focusing on something visually. And she was trying to like 
she was doing it at that point. And I said, she's not going to do it if we give her something else to look at. And sure enough, he's like, he even told him, there was like a resident uh, following him that day. And he said, be sure you listen to the parents. Yes. And I was and like, this, thank that's you. That's so important. You yeah. know, I'm not, and like you said, there's a difference between being confident and arrogant. I'm not being arrogant, but I, I, I know my kid. And when mm-hmm. I'm trying to work with you and telling you like, okay, like let's explore this route or I'm trying to tell you what might be going on and maybe my take of things and you're not going to listen to me. That's a, that for me, that is a big issue. We -hmm. are in this together. You know, my son is medically challenged and we're probably, if we are under your care, we're probably not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I need to be able to have that relationship to you where you're going to listen to me. And yeah. me listen to you as well. And we work together as a team to figure out what is going to be best for my child. And, you know, and I think the other thing too, is that just know that you're not alone. You know, mm-hmm. you are not alone. There are so many other families and parents that are, are going through maybe somewhat of the same journey that you are, maybe not, but in the, in the special needs world and community, we all get it. We know you know, the struggles and the the triumphs and everything. So you're, you're not alone. And if you feel that you need, just need that person to vent to, don't be scared to reach out to those groups. You know, I'm on so many groups on Facebook for microcephaly, for tube feeding, for epilepsy, for ketogenic diet. And even our, even our main moms group, oh my gosh, you guys have been like a godsend too. Cause those ladies have just been phenomenal and a source of support for me as well. Like yeah. when I was in the hospital with Caleb last year for that two weeks and we, he was so sick, you know, he coded once we thought we were going to lose him. That's how sick he was. They all banded together and they're sending me things for like DoorDash and everything. And they're checking in with me all the time. It, they're just amazing. And you you need that type of support when you're going through something like this. It is so big to be able to just have that resource to vent to. Have you found any resources that are more local to you, like in person or through any of the clinics or therapies or hospitals? Is there anything that your, like your medical team has said, Hey, here's something that might help. So we do, Caleb goes to, um, it's called the center for exceptional families and he goes there for PT, like a private, I guess you could say PT and OT, because we also get early on um, services through the state. But for his private therapy, that's where we go. And they actually have um, a group that meet up. But once COVID hit, they stopped having that in-person group. But that really has been the only in-person group that I have been able to find in our state. A lot of my groups have been through Facebook. I would love to be able to have that, you know, face-to-face interaction, but unfortunately in the state of Michigan, from what I have found, it's, it's limited. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And then through Um, my mom as well, you know, I have been able to connect. She's, they've been able to connect um, me and other family members are, I should say parents that have children with epilepsy. We've been able to connect to them as well. So but other than that, like I said, it's, it's kind of limited here. So it sort of kind of sucks, but I'm very grateful for the groups I do have on Facebook. Yeah. Georgia is very limited as well. There's um, a couple of organizations that before COVID were doing in-person meetups 
And they, even then, like, they're not close to our house at all. And yeah. we live really centrally located. Like, these were, like, far out suburbs. And I was like, I just can't do it because we have a, a pretty full schedule. Right. You know? yeah, and no, then I also, the my, I want my kid to be a kid. I want her to play, too. I don't want to drag right. her to some other meeting. And that's, that's it, too. Like, and some of the things that I did find, like you, they were so far out. I'm just like, I can't, I can't drive all the way out there, you know, because once we found out like the extent of um, Caleb's medical issues, I became, I guess, like a stay at home mom. I stayed mm-hmm. at home with Caleb 100% full on. That is what I do is I stay at home with Caleb. And so I couldn't just like haul him in and drive him out there all the time on top of all of the therapies and doctor's appointments and everything with it being that far. There's just was no way. So, yeah, definitely. It's and that's another one of those like you have to make a choice about how are you going to find your support? And sometimes like I had to just say, I'm not going to even try for an in-person thing. I'm just going to stick to online stuff. And luckily, like you said, it's been very, very fulfilling, but it took a long time to find those connections. Yes. Very so, much. So. Yeah. So you find any, your people, you know, you, you definitely you do find your people. It may take a while, but you will find your people and, and find the parents yeah. that get it and ask. That's another thing. Like Absolutely. it took me forever to ask like, Hey, do you know of any, groups like any kind of support like what you got to ask for it <laughs> ask and you shall receive um That's because right. sometimes <laughs> it's not widely advertised no, because half the time not. these are just run by other parents volunteering their time and it's it's you got to really look for it but and that's true yeah very much so so i want to just we can probably just start wrapping up because okay. you got a, a family to get back to um <laughs> So what, what are you looking forward to in 2021? And then I'll let you go. I just, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is just seeing, seeing the progress in Caleb, you know, seeing where we go with 2021 as far as development and hopefully the seizures that he does have being able to get better control of those. You know, I mean, right now I just kind of take things day by day and you know, I don't look too, too, too far ahead because I find if I look too, too far ahead, sometimes I can be like, oh my gosh. So I just am really excited to see his development, especially since, you know, we are making such big inch stones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that I think that's something I've, I'm going to try to do too. I've been looking at big goals instead of small goals and, and enjoying each day as they come. And I think that's that's something good that we can all put forth into 2021 is just taking a deep breath with a shorter Great. distance perspective of things. Yes. And that's, I have to do it that way because if I, if I look too far ahead or try to look things like, like a huge picture, I'm just like, no. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, I have to take a step back. We're going to, you know, look at it day by day. And, and some people, I know some other parents, they look at it, you know, like hour by hour and that's okay too. You know, yeah. whatever you find is your, your comfort, then that's what you do. And for me, it's going day by day and just saying, all right, you know, Caleb, what are we going to make progress in today? And we just roll with it. And finding joy in all the days. Absolutely. Well, Shauna, thank you so much. And I can't wait for this episode to go up so I can share it with everybody. Oh, Okay, I'm gonna let There's you go. There's my dogs. <laughs> All right, so dogs are calling. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye.